In this episode of the Maybe Running Will Help podcast. I remember writing an essay once and it was for, for my fellowship for sports medicine. And I think the title was Running is What Made Me a Doctor. <gasps> oh, really? Okay, tell me more about that. In today's episode, we are going to explore the link between success and endurance sports. In other words, are traditionally successful people drawn to the masochism of endurance sports, or do these painful experiences make us more successful? To further clarify the question behind this episode, a stat from an article on the Daily Mail reveals that the average triathlete salary is more than double the median household income. So what traits do endurance athletes share, and what is the link between success and endurance sports? In order to help us examine this trend, we are interrogating Eric Thompson. As an accomplished professional, triathlete, ultramarathoner, and born adventure seeker, he is the perfect subject for our evaluation. Welcome back to another awesome episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Tamburino, also known on Instagram as One Classy Mother Runner. I'm an RRCA certified running coach, author, and the founder of Sanity Loading, a company dedicated to promoting optimism around personal growth and self-satisfaction. Every release, we bring you experienced guests, compelling research, and expert knowledge so that you can continue to inspire others through our sport, regardless of your pace, place, or experience. If you align with the message we are promoting through this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review on the platform you are listening to. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes that explore the notion that maybe running will help. Woohoo! All right. Hey guys, welcome to the show. We have a very special guest today. His name is Dr. Eric Thompson. He's a sports medicine expert who could certainly educate us about the technical aspects of running. But it was clear from my preliminary research, we were going to have to save that sort of discussion for another time. His personal experiences and current goals make him the most interesting subject. And I can't wait to dig in. So let's get started. Hi, uh, do you want me to call you Dr. Thompson, Dr. Eric? How do you prefer I uh, address you? Call me, call me Eric. Let's, yeah, I don't, I'm going to drop the pretense on everything on that. Awesome. So, and now I'm going to start right off starting at present day because you're in training right now and you had a long ride, bike ride this morning, right? So can you tell us how did your, how'd your ride go? What are you training for? I did. It's, um, it was lonely. It was lonely. It was three hours on the trainer. So I've been doing probably 90% of my training indoors just because of weather and efficiency and safety on the Northern Virginia roads. I'd rather uh, not get hit. So it was lonely, but I got yeah. it done and I finished up with a run with my dog. I've got two things I'm really training for now in the immediate future. I've got the Ironman St. George, and that's going to be May 7th, 
And then two months after that is the Starvation X-Try, which is also in Utah, and that's going to be July 9th. So they're both in Utah? I am a super genius. They are, and it just happened to be coincidence. I don't know. Maybe I, I think probably the, the Facebook algorithms, they, they, <laughs> they know me and they target me. Gotcha! The Ironman St. George was this past weekend, and according to Triathlon Magazine Canada, an astonishing one out of five people dropped out. That's 21.9% compared to 5 to 7% most years at the Ironman Championships. According to the write-up, this race was tough due to the cold 2.4-mile swim, which was in the 50s, the insanely tough 112-mile bike course, which is one of the most challenging seen in an Ironman race with a climb of 7,374 feet, and the very difficult 26.2-mile run course with a climb of 1,413 feet. All that said, Eric finished the race in 14 hours and 53 minutes. next race, the Starvation X Try, is in less than two months, and it's another extreme challenge. With a dark, brisk swim, punishing elevation on the bike, and technical running course, the race is designed to find your limits. Here's Eric with a little more on that race. So that one is, um, yeah, that one, it's, it's, it looks, it's, it's unbelievably beautiful. It's up in the base of the Uintas. So it starts in a small central Utah town called Duchesne. Um, and it's a it's a dark swim, so you're starting the swim at 5 a.m. Oh my god! And it's okay; it's in a reservoir. There's no sharks. There's no 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 alligators. So there's a plus there. And then the ride itself, uh, it's it's shorter than a traditional Ironman, so it's only a hundred miles, but. The net gain is, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think. I think it's over 9,000 feet. And it culminates in what's called Immigration Canyon, which is in, I think, the top 14 most difficult climbs in the U.S. So okay, uh, it'll be fun. It'll be a, it'll be a good experience. <laughs> so is the, is the real draw to it, like, obviously it's challenging. Is it that the swims at in the morning in the dark is it the elevation like what's the real like what stands out the most about this race you know it's it's the area it's it's not so much the challenge of it and i think it's just putting one foot or one arm in front of the other the dark swims okay that's kind of meditative because you've got buoys that are out in the lake and you just swim towards the light and you know move your arms like a pool toy and eventually you get to the conclusion of the swim and then the bike, um, that one's going to be really challenging just because of the elevation. And then it's in the middle of Utah in July. So that'll be a challenge. But I think the real draw was, I, I just love that area. My grandparents yeah. had a cabin up at Brighton when I was growing up. And so the run is actually up at Brighton in solitude. And we get up there and it, it's, I don't know, nostalgia of, of coming back to your roots. A 
never done a triathlon, and I think the reason is because the swimming really scares me. It's okay. It's in a reservoir. There's no sharks. There's no, no, no alligators. So there's a plus there. It's like, well, so I mean, because I've always been scared away because of the swim. Do you think the swim is the hardest, or what do you think? Um, I don't. You know, ironically, and I've I've been working with a a training program called TriDot for the past couple of years. And I actually got chosen to be one of their ambassadors this year. And it, it evaluates you based upon different, you, you go out and you do benchmark run, ride and swim. And the irony of it is my weakest event is the run. Mm. And I, I, I still can't get my head around that because I've been running races, I guess, 20 plus years. But when I get into the Ironman, I do great at the bike, but I'm real still, I'm still struggling with the run. Well, is that because the runs last? I think it might be. <laughs> I think it might be. And you're just so beat down by the end of the ride. If you go out there and especially if you're a strong rider, cause you want to go out there with all you've got, but then you get into the transition for the run and you're like, Oh, good Lord. What have I, what have I done? <laughs> and then you finish and you sign up for another one. <laughs> Insane. Oh, it's true. It's yeah, you're right. And it's at the very longest, it's a couple of weeks later and the pain has, has worn off and the blisters have healed. And you're like, gosh, what's, what's next on the agenda? So now that you get an idea of who Eric is today and how he's qualified as an extreme athlete, let's get his thoughts on what draws people like him to want to endure painful challenges through sport. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's, it's deep-seated psychological problems or uh, just the, the challenge of getting out there and seeing what's around the next band. And, you know, ultra marathons have for years had, had runners with, with demons uh, former addiction issues, and it's their way of, of of shedding those demons, or at least facing them. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't have any demons that I know of. My wife brought that up the other day. She's like, "How do you do this without a lot of past issues?" I'm like, "I don't. I don't know. I don't really think about it. I just like being out there, and I like the communities." I'm definitely aware of the connection between running and addiction recovery. That's a topic we explored in episode one of the podcast. Redemption is a common theme for runners, but here are some other traits we share, according to my research. According to an article on the Daily Mail News website, there are certain psychological factors that people who enjoy endurance sports have in common, including motivation to succeed. It also says that their definition of happiness has to do with realizing their personal potential and being respected and appreciated. They like clear goals and measurable rewards. And they tend to use pain from exercise to escape their worries. You were a wildland firefighter at one time, right? Like, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I was. Um, my brother and I both, as a matter of fact, and he's always been my uh, my adventure compatriot growing up. And my dad was a force ranger, and so both of us, I think, had that had that that memory of dad coming home from the fires and 
you know, smelling like a campfire. And then when it came time for graduating from high school, he's like, hey, you guys should apply for fire crew. And we knew enough about it when we'd been around the firefighters for our whole lives. And so uh, he ended up going to California. Uh, my first year was up in Lander, Wyoming, and then I ended up working more in Utah. But it was, oh gosh, I think one of the most formative, wonderful jobs that I could have had out of high school. You're put into this adult role, uh, danger, but you don't really think about it. And you're out there working. A lot of times when we we're on a, on a roll, we'd be doing a hundred hour weeks. Mm. And gosh, at 19, 20 years old, it doesn't face you because you're like, hey, I'm going to be able to pay for college next year. While earning his bachelor's degree at Weber State University in Utah, Eric worked as a wildland firefighter in the summer and ski instructor in the winter. He then served in the U.S. Navy Reserves before going to medical school. I was, yeah. There again, my brother and I both joined up as, as corpsmen. Was your dad also a military at all? No, my grandpa. My grandpa was actually the driving force of that. And he was, yeah, boy, he was the quintessential adventurer. He'd ridden the rails. He was a depression era kid. He joined the army as a medic in World War II and actually served at the Battle of the Bulge. And when it came time for his advice, oh, he was sarcastic and wonderful. But he said, he said, whatever you do, don't join the army. Join the Navy. You'll always have a bed to sleep in and you'll always have good food. Huh. And it came time to like, you know, I, I needed experience because I knew I wanted to do medical school. And I always thought that the Navy had a great medical program. And so in between semesters, uh, my brother and I both, we joined the reserves and ended up in San Diego for training. Kind of sounds like this adventure type thing is in your blood almost. So maybe there's some genetic aspect to it. There um, might be, yeah. Or, or be. parents that raised us, I, I jokingly say, they raised us with as free roaming range kids. And we were always yeah. in the mountains. We'd go out, gosh, even sixth, seventh grade and just go across into the mountains and set up our tent and stay there for a couple of days. And we were only a couple of miles from home, so it wasn't really scary, but yeah, we were always out and about exploring things. So I wanted to know what motivates Eric these days and his answer prompted me to do some research. More on what I found after we hear from Eric. You know, it, it's interesting. It's, it's looking for the next challenge, but I'm, I'm going on the, the south side of 53 years old now. And a lot of what's motivating now is not, not so much fear, but the knowledge that time is limited. And there comes a time when it's gonna get harder and harder and the things that I wanna do now I'd better do them. According to an article on Stuff, which is a website, the life is short mentality is sparked as we age, and there's a realization that we need constant aerobic exercise to function optimally in both physical and mental sense. What's interesting is that in this same article, it described a study done in 2014 analyzing five decades of race records for performance trends. And what they found is that the longer the race, the older the age of peak performance. I don't know about you, but that makes me really hopeful about our future as athletes. 
didn't do that you kind of regret that now you can't do? You know, yes and no. I think if I look back on it, there's things that I think would have been really cool, but it gets into that question of almost the butterfly effect. If I had done them, would I be where I am now? And I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I am now, so I don't regret the decisions I've made. And I look back on some of the things that I think would have been really fun to do uh, when I was in the Navy, um, Navy SEALs, that had a big calling. I was like, that would be so cool. I always loved the water. And, you know, we, we grew up with that. We grew up sh shooting and, and running around the woods. And, and I, I finished up college instead and didn't regret that. And then the other thing was, was actually smoke jumper. And I was finishing up my final year uh, doing, doing wildland fires. And I'd had all the qualifications. I'd had all the experience. Uh, and it was that year that I got engaged. And my now ex-wife, she's like, oh, no, don't, don't do that. You'll, you'll have to go up to Montana or Alaska for the summer. I'll miss you. And you know how it is when you're younger and you're like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll stay here. So I, I didn't do that. Is there anything that you would um, maybe tell your, your past self? Any yeah. advice? Yeah, you know, I, I think the two big things would be you know, don't settle for mediocrity and don't be afraid of a little pain. I think so much of what we do is uh, it's, it's regulated by that uh, apprehension of, oh my gosh, this is going to be uncomfortable. And I guess I'm okay just, you know, settling for a B where a little bit of discomfort could earn you that A. And I think that was the most important thing I learned when I started doing endurance activities is yeah, it's uncomfortable, but the feeling when you finish at the end and you've done your best is is so much more than the discomfort when you're going through it. You know, in full disclosure, I was just an okay student going through college. I focused more on recreating. I was I was an exceptional recreator. I mountain biked, rock climbed. Um, I was a ski instructor during the winter time. And I, I still remember there was one year that we had record snow up in the Wasatch. And I, I must have skied 90 to 100 days one year. Um, as a result, the grades weren't that great. And so when I was applying to medical school, uh, they were like, well, looking at the trend here, it's, it's a concerning trend. It looks like you took some big dips in the winter. How do you explain that? I'm like, well, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I skied a lot. And by then I redeemed myself with a master's degree, but you know, I think that the endurance sports, I remember writing an essay once and it was for, for my fellowship for sports medicine. And I think the title was running is what made me a doctor. <gasps> oh, really? Okay. Tell me more about that. Well, it really was. It was, I was, I was a late bloomer in medical school, uh, but I finished my first marathon. I still remember it. It was a St. George marathon and it was a month after 9-11. So 2001 and went out there with a friend from Korea, Chung Pin. He and I had trained while I was over in Korea and, and I finished it and it made me realize it's like, you know what? I had put nine months of training into this and I came out exactly where I wanted to be. I was hoping for a sub four hour marathon. It's like, this will be great. And it was 358.29 was my time. Nice. And it was just that, that accomplishment. I was like, you know what? I think I can do more. 
Mm. And it was a year later that I ran my first ultra marathon up in upstate New York. I think the ultra marathon I did in, boy, I think it was 2002. You know, I was living in upstate New York and, and training with a buddy up there. And he said, hey, do you want to try this 50K? I'm like, oh, boy, you know, isn't marathon's got to be the that that's like the pinnacle of ultra or of, of endurance athletes. He's like, no, no, he goes, I, I do this race up in Paseco Lake every year. It's up in the Adirondacks and you go point to point, self-supported. It has this big disclaimer that if you have ne need medical care, you basically pay for everything on your own. And I'd been training with him for the year. I was like, sure, I'll try it. And it was this spiritual awakening of running in the Adirondacks and you'd go across these wooden bridges and you'd hear the loons off in the distance. And I was like, gosh, this, this is what I love. This is the running that I really strive for. So you're drawn a little bit more towards the trail running than the road running. I am. I am. I've gosh, I've done maybe maybe 10 marathons, but I know I've done almost 50 ultra marathons at this point. <laughs> I, I mean, the ultra races there, it, it is different. And, and I, you know, I, I feel like it's a, I don't know if it's not necessarily like a different personality. It's a different mentality. Like, I feel like there's just a different vibe um yeah. in in the community of trail runners versus road runners and i don't know how to explain it do you do you sense that when um you know when you've done these events oh immensely immensely it's it's intensity i think it could be just mm. summarized in that one word where you're lined up for a hundred miler and there's apprehension there's the nervous vibe that goes through when you're waiting for anything of that epic nature. But it, there isn't a sense of aggression. It's not like this it chomping at the bit versus mm. getting out there at the starting line of a triathlon. It's a lot more aggressive. There's I've seen more altercations in triathlons than I've ever seen in ultra marathons. And I think it's just a different personality that's more more focused on technical aspects. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking cycling and road running, there are so many gadgets you can get. You have power meters and cycle computers and power meters for your shoes. Um, <laughs> it's, it's endless. But when you're out there on the trails, there's nothing more awesome than seeing some guy lined up in 1970s split shorts and a pair of sandals. <laughs> just seems like such a chill community and I feel like you learn so how can you not learn so much about yourself when you're out there for that long like in a race you're not you don't have to you're not really thinking I mean if you're thinking you're thinking about like one foot in front of the other and like let's get to the finish but in a trail race I really think you have that time to kind of um experience yourself for like hours which has got to be so transformative it's it is and there's just so much that can go wrong during that amount of time it's you go in and what's the saying that mike tyson says uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face mm -hmm. yep and there's so much time to get punched in the face in a trail run that's 24 30 hours long uh it's hard to avoid it's um 
Yeah, I, my my long one last year, I did the Yeti 100, which I'm signed up for again this year. And it was going beautifully. I was right on for a 24-hour finish. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get that coveted 24 hours. Mm. And I'm in the last 50K coming downhill, just moving great. And 20 miles from the end, I tore my calf. <gasps> and, and, you know, the first thing that goes through your mind is anger. You're like, no, you know, yeah. your body's betrayed you. So I dragged my, my leg into the aid station and grabbed my poles and basically walk, scrambled for the next 16 miles. And I finished. And I was, you know, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I finished it. But that 24-hour finish was flushed down the toilet. And as a result, you know, you go out and your nutrition's now off. And I remember the sun was coming up and I was supposed to have finished by this time. And I called my wife and she's like, why aren't you running? And I was like, I'm watching a guinea pig. She's like, what? Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. I said, I kid you not. I'm, I'm, I'm watching. There's, there's a guinea pig. And this is down in Southern Virginia. Yeah. She's like, there is no guinea pig. I'm like, oh, no. No, there is. And so now I'm down on my hands and knees watching this guinea pig. And it turned out it was a pile of black walnut husks. Stop. Oh, my God. You like hallucinated. Oh, every time. It, it's so common. I just get a kick out of it in the hindsight now. It's just you know, I've seen blue and white striped circus tents and nah. snakes and rabbits and bears that aren't bears. They're just burned out stumps. So the <laughs> guinea pig story is cracking me up right now, actually. <laughs> Um, it, do you have, uh, any other like funny or favorite stories from a, from a trail race? I know this wasn't one of the questions I had, but that just makes me think you've got to have so many stories. You know, funny or just kind of peculiar. There's always the fear of snakes when you're out there running. And I remember watching, this was, this was in Utah and running along a dirt road and every single stick was a snake. It looked like a snake and it was in the dark and you've got your headlamp on and the shadows and you rationalize it. It's like, oh no, it's not a snake. And I was doing a race in Virginia, same thing, running along. And I saw this thing that looked remarkably like a snake. I'm like, ah, oh, it's just a stick. And it was this enormous Eastern diamondback that was wound <gasps> up underneath a, a bush. I'm like, oh God. So my fears were validated. Cheapers, creepers. What, um, what else have you run into on the trail besides snakes? Um, I remember when we were at uh, Grand to Grand, there was a group of three of us, my buddy Eric um, and I were running and we were running through this, this field and it was just a field that was, it was the night section. So it was a 50 mile section that ran you basically through the night and then over some, some sand dunes. We had to go through the coral pink sand dunes section. And we got completely stopped by this massive herd of cows that wouldn't move. And <laughs> they wouldn't scare. We tried to make noises. We we're trying to go around them and they'd move towards us because they were curious. But, you know, they weren't malicious at all. But we were like, God, how do we get around this massive herd of cows? <laughs> and then we've, in Utah, I came across a moose and it was running the same direction on the trail. So you're running down this little single track trail and there's this big moose ahead of you. You're like, well, I guess we're going the same direction. Oh, God. That would freak me out a little bit. So how'd you end up getting around the cows? You know, we, we found a little trail off to the side and just kind of weaseled our right. way through. And, and then they, you know, it was nighttime. They probably just wanted to go to sleep. Uh -huh.
Oh my gosh. That's so funny. And I mean, at least you had friends there, but that's the kind of stuff that brings, you know, people like together. You have these stories that you share uh, and that you can tell together about that. Um, And I'm sure there's just so many being out uh, in the middle of the woods for that many hours. Do you, um, do you typically run alone or do you run with people? Um, Training for, for the Ironman, it's been so, so lonely and alone. So I'll do, you know, trying to, to do different runs and it's hard to run with a group when you've got certain goals. Um, but with trail running, I run a lot with, with a group of people. It was the group's called the Wolf Pack. They're up here in Northern Virginia and it's been upwards of 40, 50 people who would gather on Wednesdays and run together. Uh, and it's been a great, great social outlet. Oh, that's awesome. So you, are you still running with them, even though you're training for the, um, for the try? No, I've, no. Put, I've put trails aside for at least the next couple of months, just because I didn't want to risk getting Injury. injured. Yeah. And there's a lot of folks, you know, to get three weeks out from a race you've trained for six months and then step on a rock and twist your ankle. So yeah, yeah, I'll, no, that's smart. I'll get so back are, into it when I probably in June or July, because I have another hundred miler coming up in September. Oh my goodness. So you really just load up that calendar. Yeah. Yeah. How, did, <laughs> how in the world, how do you manage that? And like, you have a professional career and like, is it a lot of early morning hours? It is. Yeah. It's a lot of, of getting up at five um, and then weekends and an incredibly tolerant wife. That's, mm. that's the real secret right there. Now, do you have, um, do you have kids? I do. I've got, my youngest is 13 and then I have a 21 year old and a 26 year old and then a granddaughter too. I've got a two and a half year old granddaughter, you know, and, and the oldest one, the, the dad of my granddaughter, uh, gosh, he did his first marathon with us and then he ran his first 50 K when he was 17 or 18 with me. Wow. Finished up Yeti. We did that race together. And then on his first application, he got into Western States <gasps> and I was, I, I got to say, I'm a little envious. This will be my sixth year applying. And he got it after his first hundred miler. And I think he might've been 22. Wow. So we all flew out there and, and, and I had the honor of pacing him for the last 50 miles for that race. How did he do? He did great. He did great. He, he is tall athletic he's probably gosh six or eight inches taller than i am and you know he can just stride it out like a gazelle and he came into the 50 mile aid station and we're like you're right there at the cutoff he's like it's all part of my strategy i walk the first 50 miles i'm like dude you don't have enough experience to have a strategy like that let's go (laughs) wow that's that sounds grueling actually walking for 50 miles oh my gosh oh it's it's weird my I, you know, my buddy, Eric, he lined up at Yeti several years ago and he said, this is going to be rough. I'm like, oh yeah, it is going to be rough. It's a hundred miles. He's like, no, you don't understand. I only trained up to eight miles. <gasps> and I'm like, oh my God. And he finished, he finished in gosh, maybe 30 minutes under the cutoff. And I asked him how he did it. He said, basically I walked 85 miles. 
Wow. Oh my gosh, I'm freaking out right now. <laughs> That's not encouraged, by the way. That's not encouraged, by the way. Oh my God, I can't imagine like running that on eight miles. Well, you know what, though? I know it's not recommended, but now I feel like maybe I could possibly do it. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please, as we go through the following safety instructions. That's not encouraged, by the way. It's the mind that can push you to those distances and just knowing you can do it. And once yeah. you've made a certain distance, it's weird. You look back on the ones below and you're like, oh, yeah, I could do that. I recently read an article on the Mid Press, which is an online resource affiliated with MIT University called Running and the Science of Mental Toughness. I highly recommend this article and it will be included under resources in the show notes. In addition to the science behind mental toughness, the article explains how we can train our minds. Hint, those runs you don't want to do are crucial. What's harder? Is it harder to run a 100-mile race or was medical school harder? I think medical school is harder. I okay. think it's the long, drawn-out drudgery of it that was so difficult. And at the time, like I said, I was, I was a late bloomer. I started med school when I was 36. Wow. And, and it would, it had always been a dream. And so I was, I, now we got married, my wife, my now wife, we got married a year after I started. And so I had my two older kids and they were living up in Rockville with their mom. And so I was pretty close. And I try to get with them a couple times a week. And it was splitting those three things of a relationship, kids and med school. Mm. Um, that was, that was the most challenging. That was, um, I think I was, I was closer to quitting medical school than I have been to ever quitting an ultra marathon. What else um, is on your kind of bucket list? You know, there's there's a couple of them. I, I really want to try one of the 200-mile races, and they're getting to be more of them. There's Tahoe. There's Moab. Um, there's one that I'm really interested in, the Cocodona 250, and that goes through Arizona. Hmm. Um, and then there's one that I think my wife is on with this one. It's called the Dragon's Back in Wales, Ooh. and it's another stage race that traverses whales across some of the big spires up there. I think there's, I don't know how many, 50,000 feet of elevation gain over six days. Um, so those are, those are the big ones on my agenda right now over the next couple of years. Do you prefer um, ultra marathons or the, the triathlons? Oh gosh. Boy, that's a tough one. It's kind of like a creme brulee versus a chocolate cake. I love <laughs> really? I thought I, I thought for sure it would be trail. You know, it is. I, 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 I like, hmm, that's a good question. I like the mixed disciplines of triathlon. And I actually find, I, I think it's harder to finish an Ironman than a 50 miler. Um, okay. But statistically, it doesn't show that. Statistically, Per the races out there, more people will finish an Ironman 
than any given 50 miler hmm. percentage wise. But the training that goes into it is just so encompassing. Um, I like the laid back nature of the trail races, but I like the different challenge that a triathlon gives. Man, so you like it all. You like the intensity and you like the laid back thing. You're a hard person to figure out. It's true. And you know, my, my beard length fluctuates depending <laughs> on the event. And one of my, one of my friends said, I, I don't even know you anymore. You don't have a beard. You're dead to me. Who are you <laughs> on any given day? Like right now you're a triathlon, Eric. Yeah. And I've got my, my beard trimmed down short and I'm, you know, and in July, it's, I got to grow it back just to get back in with my, my trail people. I don't want to be cast aside. It's so important to get the different disciplines or, or cross training in general in place. And when I talk to my patients, uh, especially the master athlete patients, I think there's four pillars towards fitness. You've got to have cardio. You've got to have resistance. You've got to have mobility. And then the fourth is nutrition. And if you mm -hmm. can get those four in place, you don't, you don't risk the overuse. You don't risk the strain that comes with just single discipline workouts. Are you somebody who gets bored easily? No, no, I'm, 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 I'm kind of happy with the mundane. You know, I think anybody who's an endurance athlete can settle into the routine pretty well. Do you have a favorite training season? Off season recovery. <laughs> um, it, it, it's gotta be, it really, a lot of it is the recovery time after a race when you're like, Oh my God, I've got, a week off, I can actually spend time with the family or, or go on vacation. Um, yeah. It's so miserable trying to train when you're on vacation. I tried that a couple years ago in Jamaica and I'm like, nope, not going to happen. How much recovery time do you take? And then how many races are you usually doing a year? Usually I'll do, I'll try and get four or five races a year. And a lot of those will be kind of a, a, a leapfrog event where in the spring, there's a favorite 50K that I like to do. So I'll do that one coming out of winter and it's slow. It's really rocky. It's really technical. So there's not a lot of running. Turns into a, a what's the term, power hike, which translates to walking a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And then in the springtime, come into a 50 miler. And then if there's going to be a hundred miler, either into the late spring or into the fall. So I'll usually use those. And a lot of times the 50K, I don't think of them as races. I just think of them as a longer training run. Okay. <laughs> well, that's crazy. But yes, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> and it's um, intensity. It's, you know, if, if you're going yeah. all out to race it, it's so much different than just doing it. And it's 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 a nice mellow feeling in the back of the pack where you're just hanging out with people who are you know, stopping at the aid stations and, you know, having an IPA, which may be there. I always get angry at, at folks who criticize the lesser distances are like, Oh, you know, they've only done a 5k. I'm like, you know, you never criticize that because 
just because you can do a hundred miles, there's, you know, one person's hundred milers, another person's five miler. It's all relative, I guess. It is, you know, and a, a mutual friend of ours, I was talking to him the other day and I said, I, I can't, I can't get my head wrapped around. I watch his Strava and I was like, I just can't get my head wrapped around how you go out and you're doing five and a half minute training runs for 20 miles. And he goes, likewise, I can't get my head wrapped around how you run more than three hours. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah. And I think that mutual respect is what makes the community amazing. If you can, if you can like see that. And I think a lot of us can see that. I, I have so much respect for, you know, the, the people that are finishing last in a race. I mean, that's hard. That's hard to be out there for that long. It's all hard and we're all doing the best that we can. Um, and that's what, that's what it's about doing your best, whatever that is and it getting is. better. And, and really, you know, pushing it and then not giving up because it's hard and pushing through and, 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 you know, get into the same finish line as everyone else. Yeah. I mean, the, the person who's struggling, that's who I'm like, that's who I'm looking at and is inspiring me. You know, the person who's struggling through it, not the person who it's easy, you know, somebody who it's easy to run a 5k or whatever it is. Like, that's great. Like I'm, but like the person who's struggling and gets it done, that's who I'm like motivating, by, motivated by. Oh, it is. It's, it, it's such a different journey and it's, it's just so amazing and respect it so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, is there anyone, and I did not, I did not prepare you for this question. It's just something that came up earlier today that I thought I'd ask. I thought it was fun. Um, is there anyone that you haven't run with that you would, if you could run with anyone um, that you would want to run with? You know what? I think at this point, and it probably changes, but it would be Tommy Rivers. Um, uh, Tommy Rivers yeah. Pusey. I mean, mm -hmm. probably the most inspirational human being that I can imagine. Yeah. He's been through a lot. Oh, and, and God, what, what a philosophy and not quit. And wow. You know, I've, I've watched his journey mm -hmm. from day one and, you know, we've got some mutual friends and I, I, I looked at what he went through and where he is now and how he just finished the, the New York marathon. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, God, you know, you came from, you know, a God to nothing and then coming back up again. And that is just amazing to watch. And I, I, I love hearing him speak and reading his writings. For those of you not familiar with Tommy Rib's story, in June 2020, the athlete was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. After five months of treatment, he was released from the hospital weighing only 95 pounds. He shared his recovery process and emotions on social media. His relentless determination that helped him earn podium finishes in ultramarathons, triathlons, and marathons has been evident as he rebuilds his health. In an article on Outside Online, Rivs reveals an inspiring notion that his passion for endurance sports has never been about race results, but the pursuit of excellence within the bounds of his potential. And now it's time for final thoughts. Is there anything that you want to leave us with, a piece of advice or your mantra or anything like that that you can leave us with today? Yeah, you know, it, my mantra has always been, and I think it's cliche, but I, I do think it's so true that 
you, the pain you feel by pushing through is, is so much less than the pain you'll feel tomorrow if you if you quit. And yep. just keep going. Even if it's a snail's pace, there'll be highs, there'll be lows. And then that's part of the journey. It's not looking for that that state of ecstasy, but finding that middle ground that the Buddhist belief of the middle ground and just keep moving. It's getting to know yourself. And Michael really always, you know, the three stages, you, you do it to impress someone else, to prove something to someone else. And then the next stage is you're trying to prove something to yourself. And then the third stage is you're finding yourself. And I think that should be, you know, the ultimate goal that any endurance athlete is pursuing is what is it that makes you who you are? Yeah. And I'm always like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good philosophy or not, but. That's not encouraged, by the way. <laughs> and what's that saying? But, but did you die? It's like. Well, exactly. No. <laughs> nope. Still here. <laughs> for now. Well, Eric, thank you so much for this call. I'm sorry about the technical issues in the beginning, but I really enjoyed our conversation and appreciate all of your thoughts and wish you the best of luck in your um, races coming up. Oh, thanks, Nikki. I appreciate the time that you spent and the, the, the honor of being able to talk with you for this time. Thank you. And a final wish for Eric as he approaches his next race, the Starvation X Try, hoping he's feeling excited and ready. Yeah, all set. Super excited. All right, cool. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Maybe Running Will Help podcast. Please leave a rating and review on the platform you're listening to if you enjoyed the show. It helps us to grow and reach more people with the intention to provide hope to others through our community. Finally, please consider joining us on Patreon. In addition to keeping the podcast ad-free, your membership gets you exclusive access and merchandise not available to the general public. Together, we can show others that running and our community will help.